0: I love talking about mentorship. It's important for people to maybe just get an introduction to the difference of mentorship and sponsorship and advice. Do all three people. Help each other. You know what I mean? Pay it forward. Sponsor someone. Um, find a mentor. Check out Glassbreakers. Or ask around your companies. Or ask around your peers and coworkers. The point is is not to feel like you're in isolation or remain in isolation. Learn.
1: Grow. Try some new shit. This is Women Who Start Up Radio, podcasting from the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. With 300 days of sunshine, the highest percentage of high school and college graduates in the nation, lots of women entrepreneurs, and more microbreweries than any other U.S. city. Women Who Start Up Radio brings you knowledge, insight, and inspiration from women entrepreneurs and founders. Here are your hosts, Lizelle Van Vuren, founder of Women Who Start Up and CEO of Effectively, and Krista Morgan, co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor.
0: Hello, Krista. Hello, Lizelle. Hello, listeners. I find like when I listen to our intros, by the way, I find like you and I have a really good time saying hello to each other. And we, it's like we forget we're talking to the world. All right. Say hello to the listeners,
2: please. Hello, listeners, all (laughs) 37 of you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Times (laughs) 100.1. Yes, this is episode nine of Women Who Start Up Radio. It is a good day. We're coming to you from Denver as usual. We are glad to be back here at P2B Investors Conference Room is where we like to do this best. It is a gorgeous summery day, swear to God, it's just a good day, things feel great, I'm happy about the weather, and that makes me a happy person, but we're talking about mentorship.
2: We sure are, because both of us got a chance to spend a very rainy day. We were at the Colorado Technology Association's Women in Technology Conference. It's this annual all-day event. There were like 500 women, and they put us in a tent south of Denver with all of these amazing speakers. And this is my second year going, and it, it like changes my life every time I go. It was amazing.
0: Seriously, I cannot say enough good things. Uh, this year was my first year to the Women in Tech Conference by CTA. And it was phenomenal. I gave such kudos to that team. I mean, they did a really nice job. Witty, smart, intellectual conversations. You just walk away. I remember when we, when I, um, towards the end of the conference, this lady was walking by me. And she'd had this big grin and I turned around. And I said to her, you're leaving inspired, aren't you? And she looked me dead in the eyes and she said, oh, yeah. And I mean, enough said, right? I mean, that's what you want because, you know, we all need a little pick-me-up, a little motivation and a little inspiration. That's definitely the combination of what I walked away from.
2: Yeah. And the whole day, I mean, I think this theme of mentoring and sponsoring, and I think we'll talk a little bit about the difference between those, but the theme of women have to support women and that's how we're all going to get ahead. It was, that was what everyone was talking about. So you have 500 women all talking about it. And one of those women was actually Lauren, uh, the CTO of Glassbreakers. And Lauren and her co-founder, Eileen, uh, their CTO, uh, CEO are going to be joining us today. And we're going to be interviewing them. It's going to be awesome. So exciting. So we thought we should just talk a little bit about mentoring. Yeah. I mean, let's just dive in. Do you have a mentor? I feel like I have like a hundred mentors these days. Do
0: you mentor others? Yes,
2: I do my best. I can't say I'm like an official mentor. Like, I don't know what an official... Like, I know women are... I I find women are often looking for this like... Sound advice? I am, I am your mentor sort of uh, piece of paper. Yeah, I don't really like a contract. That. Yeah, but I take like calls. Like, people will call me and they'll be like, hey, Krista, what do I do about this? And I say, I think you should do this. Yeah, and-
0: so let's talk about a, being an advisor, being a mentor, and then how you sponsor someone. So these are... These little thorns that I want to make sure people understand. So pretty much to the point you just described. I mean, you and I both, I take a lot of calls and I make a lot of calls. I ask for a lot of advice, maybe not as often as I should, but when I need to. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of folks that send me emails, uh, send me messages on social media, uh, even call my phone number. God knows where they get it, but they do. (laughs) And, And ask for advice. I think that's really great. I think that's why we have a very strong Colorado startup community. I think that's why startup communities are awesome. You should ask your peers, your colleagues, um, people in the industry, in your industry for advice. That's just a smart thing to do. I believe that to differentiate mentorship is, let's say I want to start learning more about the financial tech world. You, Krista, are, let's say, more of an expert in that realm. You are a CEO of P2B Investor. You're in that world. Let's hope I'm more of an expert. Well, exactly right. You definitely <laughs> are. World. And let's say I want to learn more. Now, you can give me some advice in how to engage in fintech or we can take it further where you say, Lizelle, on a weekly capacity over the next couple of months, I can kind of task you with some things you're going to want to learn, um, expose yourself to, events you want to go to, and then come back, ask me questions, report back. I feel like mentorship has a little bit more accountability on both parts. I feel like if you mentor me, there is there needs to be dual value. You should be learning something from from me as a mentee uh, and vice versa. I need to be learning something from you, but you're kind of keeping me a little bit more... Uh, accountable rather than you just swinging some advice to me. Hey, read this article. It's like, come back to me in a month and tell me who the five top fintech companies are. So kind of holding each other accountable. I feel like mentorship is us teaching one another about something one party doesn't know as much about and holding each other, um, accountable
2: for going and learning. I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think so to the question then I'm not sure I do really mentor anyone because I I can't say I have that formal a real a relationship with people it really is more advising um support support yeah I I try to I try to provide support yeah um but I also I also genuinely believe though that people don't I don't like to tell people what to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I and I yeah so but I bet I, you'll be surprised.
0: I bet you ha- yeah, maybe have I'm team like members an
2: accidental mentor. I bet
0: you have team members where you are egging them on to do better and continue to grow and progress. And um I bet you maybe That's you're mentoring true. more people within your own organization. You're not even aware of.
2: That's true. I'm like, what's that secret millionaire guy? I'm like the secret unknown
3: mentor, mentor. <laughs> even, to,
2: even to myself. Yeah. Um. And then the, they talked at the conference about yep. sponsorship, which yep. is not something that I have really thought a lot about. And I think it's not less important, not less important in the startup world, but I think it's very important in the corporate world is, I guess, so very relevant in the corporate world that you find a person in the org that is more senior than you, that believes in you and is going to what I thought was interesting, the definition they use was a person who takes some risk to help you get ahead."
0: Exactly right.
2: puts themselves out there to say, "Hey, Lizelle is an awesome marketing director, and we should make her a VP. Exactly. Like,
0: perfect example. yeah, yeah, no, i I love this topic because for whatever reason, I've been chewing on this for a long time, and I maybe it's just my nature. I like going out of my way to sponsor people into opportunities if they showcase some real, and I love this word, chutzpah, if they show some real, just, I'm not just craving to learn, I'm looking for an opportunity, maybe I'm new to Denver or Colorado or whatever, I will make time and go out of my way to find opportunities where I can sponsor those people. I do it all the time. But I would say I rarely see that amongst most people. So there is a real downfall in people sponsoring other people. And I'm even curious, is there a real downfall in women sponsoring other women? Because there is a difference and it's all interconnected, right? I believe everything's interconnected. There is definitely a relationship between giving someone some sound advice and then saying, well, let's make this a little bit. And it's not actually about like, well, Krista, let's make this a little bit more formal, or maybe you do, or maybe you don't need to. But holding someone more accountable for learning, that becomes more mentoring. And then if you find yourself in some conversation and you are, maybe you're presented with an opportunity. You know, we're launching the startup. And we're looking for, I don't know, I'm just going to be simple. Uh, we're looking for a, a CMO or a head of, you know, customer experience or whatever, something that I'm an expert in, right? And you say, oh, I know a person. Not only do I know a person, I think I know the best person. When we've done with today's meeting or event or what, whatnot, I'm going to send you an email, I'm going to introduce you to this person. And that's a physical act of sponsorship. It's going out of your way to put someone else in a position of opportunity.
2: That is, that is so true. And actually, I think I do that way more than I do mentoring. Like I will make intros. Like I actually this morning. It's funny because yesterday I met this, I was actually a guy, so I'm apparently gender neutral in my sponsoring, Good. but I met this guy who came out of a uh, hedge fund and he has moved to Denver and he's like, I've been a hedge fund trader in New York, what the hell am I going to do in Denver? Right. And I said, you know, I actually know a couple, I actually know quite a few finance people around Denver and I reached out to them. I actually reached out to them first and said, Hey, I have this person. Would you be willing for me to make the intro? Mm-hmm. And then they came back and said, Absolutely. And then I make the intro. So I actually take a two step process. I like because that because I think it. It's
0: just respectful. Well, man. Yeah. We and are. You get
2: their permission and they're busy and, yeah. and then they want to take your intros, but I, I agree. I actually try to be, it's something I've decided to work on more is like thoughtful introductions yeah. that really add value to both people
0: yeah i think that's
2: really uh, so you're right maybe that's the ultimate like maybe that's sort of a that's a big part of startup sponsoring introducing someone to one of my investors like shit that's like a big deal that's a like, huge i introduced you to one of my investors yeah because
0: i mean that that took yeah. a lot of time and energy and, and sweat yeah. and probably some tears and all that jazz to formulize that you know those, <laughs> those relationships, relationships. Yeah. yeah yeah i think it's important um i think in order to survive we know we can't do it alone right So today, you know, the zone of focus for the topic is, you know, mentoring and sponsorship. And I think we can encourage people to not necessarily, you know, we're not trying to tell people what to do and what not to do. You know, we just want to be a sounding board for you to kind of go, you know what? It has been a long time since I've actually sponsored someone into an opportunity. And why is that? Like, why have I, if I can think back and it takes me too long to think back, it's probably been too long. Since I've sponsored someone into an opportunity. And why is that? You know? Well,
2: and the interesting thing that came out of the conference that that we were at was this idea that women think there's only room for one woman at the table. That Aye. actually, as women get into positions of leadership, they're afraid to sponsor other women. Because yeah. they're like, wait, I'm already filling the woman's. Can slot. we talk about that, like, please? That, that is ridiculous. I know. And yeah, and so I think a lot of the conference was like getting women to to kind of say hey there's room for two of us and actually it doesn't impact me if i help someone else like it helps me the more women there are around the table but that is like counterintuitive because i've been there and had those moments of like well shit what if i'm the only like what if there's only room for one
0: yeah yeah
2: it it reminds me so so this week's kind of a historic week of p2b i
0: Okay, Maybe why? be a
2: historic week for all women. Okay. <laughs> Do you tell. Which is that I, um, we just voted a new member onto our board this week, uh-huh. and it is a woman. A yeah. woman VC, an investor, a woman who has been part of a ton of companies. You know what she said to me? She said, like, Krista, this is the first time I've ever been on a board with two women. Wow. The first time. Which in, is like, great. her whole career. Which is great.
0: And I'm sure she's not coming to the table thinking, a couple of other women, boy, this is going to be interesting and challenging. You know what? Earlier when you were talking about board members, one woman filling up the space of all women at the table. It's a crazy idea. I want women to extract that from their brains. It is this competitive notion that apparently is still amongst some women. Empower each other. Don't compete with each other. I mean, good competition is good still because we're all running companies and that keeps things real. But there's no need to assume that you need to go fulfill a gender quota. Fill up your boardroom with diversity, innovation, creative thinking, awesome people. Learn and grow from them. Um, it's a weird notion. I've never thought like this. I can't comprehend this notion that Women want to compete with one another. Um, it's the downfall. I swear to God. It it will only hurt it'll hurt your career, it'll only hurt your professional network. It's it's a silly notion. I don't understand why there's still even room for it. I don't tolerate it at all.
2: I I agree. I just know I think we'd be foolish to ignore to at least you know, not recognize the reality that a lot of us have grown up in a place where you get to a certain level and there are only a handful of women. Yeah. And like, you're not sure you're like, if I made it here, what if I can't go? Like I went to this, another like all day venture summit the day before 58 CEOs from around Colorado running successful companies. Right. I was one of three women, three out of 58. Right. That's a, fucking terrible (laughs) ratio yeah and it's just fuck (laughs) (laughs) i think that deserves a a fiery f-bomb
0: because it's frustrating yeah and the reason it's empowering to hear you frustrated about that statistic means that you want to see other women succeed be ceos be on boards be board members or whatever um and that's a positive notion keep amplifying that You know, I do, you do, some people do. And for those who think that that's an arbitrary notion, it's an important aspect of, you know, closing the stupid gender gap, which is, you know, still got some work to do. But, you know, we still yeah. have some work to do there.
2: I mean, any interesting stats from the conference we want to share with our listeners? So NCWIT, um, the National Center for Women in Technology, uh, there was a lot of talk about NCWIT, and they're doing all of this data-driven research about why having women, you know, having more women in corporations and leadership positions, basically more women everywhere. Uh, yeah. And they're saying the data supports it. So I'm trying to think about some of the interesting I mean, stats for, that came up. Yeah.
0: I mean, for one thing, like you just mentioned, it's important if any listener has never heard of NCWIT. I mean, they're globally known now. They are headquartered here in Boulder, Colorado. And, you know, the National Center for Women in Technology have been for, I believe, 14 years, um, been working their tails off non competitively meaning the focus has always been collaborate you know and from a collaborative standpoint to work with people who are trying to change um and improve diversity in technology diversity in corporations getting women into technology um the stem movement and um if you want to learn more if you want to have the research the statistics the numbers to improve your own companies uh, ratio of women in technology or diversity in tech, NCWIT, just go to ncwit.org. All their resources are available to you for free. And mind you, you can become all sorts of different types of members, whether you're a startup or an entrepreneur, or you are a company or organization who is also working towards this woman who startup is um, very soon, hopefully going to become um, a member. And, and it's, it's an incredible organization. You know the coolest thing about the founder, uh, Lucy Sanders. She says, "I can't wait for the day when NCWIT is no longer necessary." And God knows that would be a good day. But until then, they're gonna—they're a part of the change because they're helping us with the data. If you want to learn about the statistics, just go check out their resources. They've got all the numbers, active, you know, and and recent. So. Um, that's all I'll say about that.
2: I have a very quick thing before we head into our, our interview yep. with our awesome, awesome guest today. Yes. So going back to our conversation about boards and how, you know, sometimes you feel like there's only room for one woman. I just want to bring up an article that I read this week that really, I think shows that you, we will perform better if we have more women. So the, did you hear about this? The CMO. Uh, so the Fox Channel CMO Liz Dolan, she was oh, the yeah. lone woman on Quicksilver's yeah. board, and she resigned publicly this week because basically what happened was they decided they were going to fire the CEO of Quick of Quicksilver, and the board uh, had all these discussions and they excluded her from like, all deliberately. Of it. She didn't know anything about it. Nope. And her point was was not so much that. Her they said, well, you were close to the CEO, and she's going, Ever all of you are close to the CEO. Like you're saying I can't be professional just because I have some kind of a personal relationship. Yeah. It was a real like I thought the article was really powerful. I thought it shows that it is easy when there is only one woman to marginalize them.
0: Yeah, and you know, quite frankly, in this instance, it's easy to kind of Throw this one off to the side. Cause what if it was a guy who had been friends with the CEO? Would it have gone the same way? Would that person have been excluded from the critical conversations, which a entire board is meant to actually, you know, chew through?
2: Well, is she said so it was just all unnecessary? together anyway? She was like, it's not like the rest of the board wasn't friends exactly. with the CEO. Yeah, it was like- just, a, it's an
0: interesting notion. Um, it's a great, article uh posted on fortune check it out it's called gender bias forced me to quit quicksilver's board between you and me it is one of the first most public um personal letters if you will from a board member particularly a female board member that talks about this notion of um i'm kind of my money on gender bias is the reason that i left this board and i won't i won't stand for it now uh, we don't know the ins and outs. We're not on that board. We're not going to make that call. But I want to say it's really good to start seeing this conversation being had. Um, how do we need to think about these kinds of things? If you have a board and now you are lucky enough to have a woman on your board, it's probably <laughs> actually not good enough. And we need to diversify that um, board by... I don't know whether it's more women or, you know, in all sorts of ways, just diversify it. And for God's sake, if you have a board that's making the votes on all these decisions, then the point is, is to do it collectively. So it was a very odd decision. It's obviously hitting them right in the ass now. And it was probably a stupid executive decision on whomever's
2: part. Well, and so Liz Dolan, I know she runs a podcast called Satellite Sisters. Yes. She runs this podcast. So Liz Dolan, if you ever listen to the Women Who Start Up podcast, know that on behalf of me sitting here in Denver, Colorado, I hear you, sister. And and I, uh, I totally think what happened was unacceptable let's just call it what it is totally unacceptable yeah
0: less than ideal to be political unacceptable to be real since when are we political exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean we're not we're not the we're not the diversity police ever if you know us we just love to be we just love to be transparent yeah we just love to be transparent (laughs) and honest and open about kind of how we call things and how we see things and we want to we want to do better we want to be, you know, encouraging people to just you could have done better. Yeah. As a as a board of a bunch of adults, you could have done better. Dude. You know, and now you look stupid. And I've always liked quicksilver, <laughs> and now you just look like a bunch of idiots. You know what I mean? And Word. a bunch of girls yeah. and young women and surfers and sponsored athletes, men and women alike are going Well, that was a shitty way to approach business. Why did you exclude? That could have been my mom. That could have been my sister. That could have been my aunt. You know, that's kind of crappy. So, you know what? Be mindful.
2: We should see if their stock price went down on the back of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So good one. We have awesome guests today, Lizelle. We do. I'm
0: excited. Um, I've known of Glassbreakers for a little while and I am a member on their site. And these two ladies, I think, are just rocking things out. I think they're onto something fresh. I think they're empowering women to find mentors. I think that's very, very cool. I think that's necessary, powerful and important. Krista, today we are talking to the co-founders of Glassbreakers. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited as all get up to talk to them. I discovered uh, Glassbreakers. And the co-founders, Eileen and Lauren, obviously on Twitter, because I'm a Twitter holic and there's probably a program for people like me. But <laughs> until there is a way to, uh, distract me from social media, it's an amazing way still to find incredible people doing meaningful work. And Glassbreakers, I think, is onto something really cool. So, um, Introducing our guests, I want to say hello to Lauren. I want to say hello to Eileen coming and speaking with us from Los Angeles, I believe. Hey, ladies.
3: Hi. Hi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Women Who Start Up Radio. I want to thank you, a whopping big thank you for talking with us today.
4: Yeah, thank you for having us.
0: So, in order to give context for our incredible listeners, who are all over the world, mind you, men, women, young, old, entrepreneurs, entrepreneur wannabes, you name it, the cool thing is you are both co-founders of Glassbreakers. Can you please give us a little introduction as to who you are? Introduce yourself, please, and then tell us a little bit about Glassbreakers, just uh, your elevator pitch, if you don't mind.
4: Okay, sure. So uh, we'll start with the elevator pitch. Um, glass Breakers is a peer mentorship platform for professional women.
3: We built a machine learning algorithm that matches women uh, in similar industries to build relationships to help break through the glass ceiling together.
4: So this is Eileen speaking. My background, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Glass Breakers. Previously, I was in corporate communications at uh, Thomson Reuters and before that at Citigroup. I have an MBA in international marketing. I have always been very, very, very passionate about gender uh, equality in the workforce, and so uh, starting this company has been a phenomenal experience.
3: I'm Laura Mosenthal, the CTO and co-founder. My background, I actually got my technical bearings in Colorado. Uh, I went to BDW in Boulder uh, and worked, uh, I did my first software engineering apprenticeship at Modset, and then worked at A few agencies, including Made Movement, uh, AKQA in San Francisco, and even kind of briefly taught at Galvanize for a short time.
0: Wow, I had no idea you had such an amazing Colorado connection.
3: Yeah, I love Colorado.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, uh, Lauren, you were just here in Denver, Colorado for the Women in Technology uh, Conference, which you spoke at, which was really great. Um, I want to say welcome to you both. I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days to come talk to Krista and I on Women Who Start Up Radio. And I want to just dive right into mentorship, peer-to-peer mentoring, why this incredible platform. Uh, we all probably believe that it's a necessity and uh, of great value. But tell us a little bit about what really motivated you, and at what point was that kind of tipping point where you said, if we're going to build something, if we want to be the change in the world we want to see, so to speak, um, when was that? What happened? And and how far along are you?
4: Sure. So um, why did we jump in and, and start building Glass Breakers? So peer mentorship um, was a solution that we arrived at because we were so obsessed with the problem. So Lauren and I bonded over our shared uh, career passion, which was to start a startup, um, and also for the problem, which was gender inequality in the workforce. We interviewed, um, I think, like a 1,000 women about mentorship and came to a conclusion that there were way too many mentees entering the workforce for mentors available. And in order to make the access to mentors easier, we could just hack a system so that women could connect with peer mentors. So peer mentorship is based on the idea of people around the same place in their career, helping each other, um, along the way.
3: And we really dove in and decided to do it full time. Um, we were working on, we were working on glass breakers on the side for a while. And then we got to a point after our research, we put up a landing page that said, mentorship community for professional women. And, within a week with no paid advertising, a thousand women signed up. And so wow. for us, yeah, we were like, there is a definite demand here um, and women really need this. Uh, and then uh, Eileen was part of this group of women of Silicon Valley and one of the women from the group invested the first 5K. And so when we saw that there was a major demand and that, you know, we could start raising some money and um, kind of, Made it through that first small raise. Um, we just, we quit our jobs and did it full time. So why do you think
2: mentor like women need a platform to find mentors? Like I'm a I'm a little surprised that women aren't. You know, finding peers in companies in industries together. Like, talk to me about like the advantage you guys are bringing to the table with this platform. Um, You know, what what is it that you're facilitating that wouldn't otherwise happen? Sure. So we're making data driven connections. It's a lot like online dating.
4: Um, We've got this machine learning algorithm that takes in all these different factors about what makes a good match, Um, and the use case of it. I think that's most relevant is inside companies. Uh, to your point, when you're at a company, there may be mentorship programs, um, but they're not really data-driven um, and they're not being done very well. So Glassbreakers is used inside companies as an enterprise software product to help streamline access to peer mentors um, across very big uh, organizations.
3: Yeah, we're finding these organizations are very decentralized. And, you know, we're also... Giving more opportunities to women that if they're not happy on their team, uh, because they've been using Glassbreakers within the company, they might know about other teams. So they're making lateral moves within the company instead of necessarily leaving and looking for another job at another company.
2: Interesting. So is that the business model that you sell into corporate HR departments?
4: Yeah, Glassbreakers is a SaaS company. Um, we're building enterprise software and we already have paying customers.
2: That is Awesome. So what's been your big, I don't know, have you had like a big, I know you had an aha moment to get it started, but have there been, I don't know, is there like an interesting thing that you've learned just in getting to paying customers that you didn't know when you first got started?
4: Definitely what Lauren just mentioned about decentralized organizations and the power of glassbreakers internally as a retention tool. At first we thought, this is going to be great. You know, this is a way for women to connect with people who can mentor each other. Um, and on the freemium product, you know we're just seeing awesome, awesome ways that people are working together. But in companies, when we started talking to VPs of diversity and CIOs and CTOs, and they started talking about how women were leaving and they wanted a way to move them across a big company instead of having them leave to go somewhere else, that was a huge aha moment for us and for, I think, our business development of like, wow, there's actually like a huge market opportunity in this.
0: Fascinating. I mean, I've been using Glassbreakers a little bit now. Um, even Lauren and I got uh, connected, yeah. which is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this thing bloody well works. I like this. I like this. I like being connected with the founders. <laughs> um, this subject matter of mentorship, and I want to say mentorship and sponsorship has been a top of mind topic for me. So I've got obviously a ton more questions coming your way, but the thing I want to kind of maybe chew on with you a little bit is if you had to share some lessons that you're learning from advice that you're receiving, maybe from making your own connections on your own platform, or perhaps you're starting to pay attention on lessons being learned by these, um, you know, members or end users on your platform? Is it finding co-founders? Is it just making connections um, to learn from one another? Is it all of the above? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I think it's all of the above. Women have met on um, Glassbreakers and have started companies together already. Um, we have a lot of women meeting up that are designer developers, uh, working on side projects together, uh, a lot of engineers, pair programming. Um, and then, you know, personally, like I use the product, um, you know, like last week I was learning analytics, so I changed my interest to, uh, someone that has a couple years experience in analytics and then we were matched up uh, and, you know, we met up for a coffee and then I learned all these different things about analytics and then I helped her a little bit with like how to implement analytics and the engineering side. So I actually use the product every week and just, you know, tweak it to whatever I want to learn that week.
4: Yeah, so my, every, yeah, like to Lauren's point, every week there's like a new challenge, right? Um, so the advice that we could give to women using our product is use it for each week. You know, know what your ask is when you're matched with someone. understand like what you could do to help them and how they could help you. Um, right now, we are actively recruiting for salespeople, and we've got a lot of inbounds and I'm drafting these business proposals, and I'm very new to enterprise sales. So on Glassbreakers, I've switched my um, my interest to business development so that I'm getting matched with other women um, in technology who have experience in business development, who I can go to and say, hey, I've got this proposal, the customer said this, do you have any feedback for me?
2: That, I didn't realize how... Um sort of pointed it was. That's really interesting. Very cool, right? I, I need to get on there. Yeah, you know, do. If, I don't know if I've been you invited do. or not. I want
0: gotta... to see if you and I get connected.
2: <laughs> okay, so let's just um, change tack for a minute. We on episode two of the Women Who Start Up podcast talked about the What Silicon Valley Thinks of Women article. And I guess I would just ask you, what what has been your experience with fundraising and sort of being a a woman in Silicon Valley. It's something like I've been out there quite a bit. So it's been a recurring theme on the show. And I'd love to just uh, hear a a little about that. So we actually raised um, our first
4: angel round, uh, like completed that uh, last month. And we had a really great experience. You know, in the beginning, it's always tough. um, With any entrepreneur, it has nothing to do with gender. It's just, it's difficult what became more difficult for us is because the problem that we're solving isn't something that necessarily the majority of venture capitalists or investors, um, understand. And as an investor, you want to invest in products you can use and products that you understand and problems that you get. Now, peer mentorship is new. So that was, that was tough to pitch. Um, improving gender equality in the workforce through peer mentorship software. That was also hard to pitch, you know, to an audience that's 96% male, but we found the right people and that's made a huge difference. So our angel investors are actually quite hands on. Um, it's about 75% women. Um, and they've just been really instrumental, both the men and the women in helping us get to where we are today. You know, my advice is, uh, pitch your your product and, and pitch your, your vision to people who understand it. And if they don't understand it, don't take it personally. So those
0: angels, are they located in San Francisco, in the Valley, with you?
4: Uh, some. Some's it, one is in Tokyo. One is in London. <laughs> um, cool.
3: <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely across the country. Um, yeah, cool. like we even have an, an angel investor uh, who used to write algorithms for high-frequency trading. Um, and now she's also like mentoring us a lot on the algorithm as well. So, I mean, they are awesome women mentors and investors. Like we couldn't be luckier.
0: I mean, that's so powerful to hear. It's really great. It's
2: amazing. I, I have 50 angel investors, give or take. And like, Two or women, maybe three. Yeah. But it, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to hear you have seventy-five percent angel investors is a real accomplishment. Given that I, I mean, I've been raising angel funding for three years, and so yeah. Just, and I mean, wow.
0: <laughs> I've been raising only for let's say two, three years with different projects, and I've yet to pitch a female angel. Yeah. Really? I mean, I know them all, but yeah. In the context of, um, uh pitching very specific products as i've been raising and and um and helping with projects etc even in a, as an advisor i've yet to pitch a female um vc um place really matters a lot of times you know it's important for other entrepreneurs and other founders to hear that as much as you believe that all these silicon valley based or headquartered uh, startups are just raising in their backyard is not necessarily true. And a lot of the times it just absolutely isn't true. And you have to lay the groundwork all over the place because it's, it takes a wide varied range of people. And I think the cool thing that I heard from Lauren and, um, you know, Eileen just now is the fact that you have to find the right money. You have to find people who understand what you're trying, the problem you're trying to solve for whom. And, and want them to in, invest in that idea. And yeah, that's, so that's true. hard, man. That's just, I would say the fact that they stated that 75% of their invest, angel investors are women is really awesome. I think that takes diligence, hard work, seeking them out. I don't know what their tax... you know, Lauren. <gasps> And there
2: are a lot of, I'm sorry to interrupt, myself, but no. there are a lot of studies saying women, there aren't actually as many women angels. Like, as yeah, far are they're, they yeah. make up a smaller percentage. So I, I'd be interested. If possible, I would
4: love to comment about, um, how Please. we approached investment and fundraising, um, yes. for other people that might be listening about how to, how to fundraise and what our process was like. So, when you are pitching an investor, you're inviting them in on an opportunity to make money on what you're building, and I think that it was a, a turning point for us, where when we really understood our business model and we got our first we got our first paying customers before we started fundraising. So when we could see the revenue ahead and we could see our milestones ahead and we could see how huge this business opportunity was, that made the pitch a lot easier, and you are going to want to bring people on board who you want to also make very wealthy off this. So we went out and we met with a lot of women angel investors and we took the time to do diligence with them, to educate them on the product, to make them comfortable with this investment because angel investing is very risky. And I think because we took the time to really get to know our investors and let them know us and let them really see what we were doing, we were able to work with so many awesome angel investors um, and so many women who are angel investing because it was really a, a relationship-building process.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's, empower- that's empowering words.
2: So I have a question. Just as you start to build your business out, um, obviously women and diversity is important to you. How do you think that's going to impact your hiring and how you build out this tech company?
3: Sure. So we're hiring right now. I definitely feel like, you know, we've gone through this process of being heads down and building the product and tweaking it and making it better. And we're kind of in this new level with hiring of, okay, I'm a founder that has like, we're building, but now really switching gears to more delegating, which is a big difference. Um, On that note, for diversity, it's really about if people can, you know, take direction, have intelligent conversations, believe in what they're doing, and then really looking at their work. So when we were hiring a full-time designer, for example, we gave, uh, we did initial interviews, then we gave everyone a design test. Um, so about, I think, six to eight people did the design test. And we had someone not on the product team take everyone's name off of the design test. So looking through it, we were only looking at the work that was done versus like having any bias perhaps on who the person was and how like the previous conversations with those people went. So I think that helped a lot. And we really ended up hiring who we were secretly rooting for anyways. Um, (laughs)
1: but,
3: and she's, And I'm excited because she's very, you know, Eileen and I are kind of similar backgrounds. Uh, We're both from the East Coast. We're both, like, white, straight women. And I think, you know, bringing this, like, diverse person in who's, you know, a different age than us um, and has a very different lifestyle, we're really excited to bring that diversity into the company. And we're also really excited to hire men, too. We have a couple offer letters out to engineers right now. And it's a really great mix between men and women. Which I love. And you know what I
0: also love? It sounds like you applied some of the old, good, data-driven statistics, um, as we may all know, and some of the listeners may or may not know this, but in context of some of NCWIT, if you don't know NCWIT, National Center for Women in Technology, right? They do incredible data-driven research. So there is this profound study that has two resumes. One has a male name, one has a female name. And um, the obviously the um, the premise is to hire based on um, experience rather than gender bias. So I love how you whether you applied that or not, or it was just your own level of intellect and well done. And I, you know, big kudos to you for, for being smart to say, you know what? We all have internal bias. And so we're going to remove that factor completely from the equation. And we're going to base this off of, do you fit a culture? Is this work really inspiring to us? And I think that's awesome for, for us to hear, to be reminded of, for other teams who are young and growing to hear, So that's just a big kudos. I guess I just really loved hearing that. And I want to encourage more people to actually apply some of these tactics because we do have to remove our own bias. We do all have internal bias. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just human, right? Can I,
2: can I just say that I actually have gender bias and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so while I agree, I'd be, that would, um, that would be so tough for me to like take that out of the equation. I really? think as I was saying, Well, sure. Because otherwise I'm going to end up, I run a fintech company. I just end up with a whole bunch of white dudes in my company. If I yeah. took everyone's name, like, I don't know. I just feel like who they are and their gender. Bring something to the table, but very interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Very interesting.
4: So, two two points. One, um, one of our advisors is Joelle Emerson. She's a diversity consultant in Silicon Valley. She's a former women's rights attorney, and so yeah. she's also been instrumental in helping us shape our company culture and best practices. As we are a um, company with a SaaS product focused on improving diversity in the workforce, which is very important for us to practice what we preach. Um, and to the point of, you know, gender and hiring, I mean, for our first sales hire, we have thought about that because coming into companies, we know that maybe the sell coming from a man might be different from a woman. Um, and so that's something that we've taken into account, but we really want to make every hiring decision with the best candidates. And then the same way if somebody, let's say is an amazing candidate and they're an engineering candidate and they know like Adobe Photoshop, and like that's a plus. If you have a bunch of amazing candidates um, that are engineers and one, you know, happens to be, uh, has a, something, a diverse um, point that is different than all the other candidates, hiring the diverse candidate is going to help your product because the more different mindsets and, and diverse opinions that are going into product and sales and the company. Um, you're just going to build a stronger team.
0: Oh, I agree.
2: I agree too. And I I would tell you as someone, so we're now hiring our 21st employee um, at P2BI. The one thing I've done is every time I meet a woman, like I just met a woman recently who does capital markets. It's actually really hard to find women who do capital markets. And we've been looking for, we've been thinking about that hire. I've actually accelerated some hires because I found the right, woman rather than, um, rather than wait just because it can be so rare. Like it can just, as you say, you want to hire the best talent. But if you really do want to build a 50-50 workplace, which I'm, um, looking to do, you have to kind of seize opportunities when they come. That's sort of just one thing I've, I've noticed.
0: Yeah. Everyone needs to understand that when you're building a company, you need to understand what kind of company you want to build. And that doesn't just uh, stop at The product that you want to or the service that you want to put out into the world right company team culture which defines your brand are all critical components of uh especially a new startup's success you know how you position yourself out there and so uh what an organic way like they said practicing what they preach
2: i love it Yeah. yeah any final thoughts on that subject before we wrap up we're
4: hiring uh, well, you know, check us out.
2: Um, all sorts of jobs. Awesome. awesome. Uh so um what would you guys like to say to other women who are considering starting up? What sort of words of wisdom do you have for them?
4: Yeah, so be resilient and be okay with rejection. You're gonna pitch a lot of people, and if they don't get it, then fix your pitch. One of the um, greatest tips I could give someone about pitching and how to improve it, get into every Lyft and every Uber and pitch the hell out of your company to the driver. And if they don't understand it, then keep working at it and improve your pitch till everyone gets it. If you're pitching investors and they're not interested, don't take it personally. It's not about you. Uh, it's not about your company. They just don't understand the problem or it's just not in their space and move on. Um If you let rejection sit on you and you dwell on it, it's going to hurt your ability to keep progressing.
0: Yeah, I mean, that has a lot to do with confidence. Am I right? You know, you pitch, you pitch, you pitch, you get rejection, rejection, rejection. And if you start taking that to heart, like, holy shit, I'm not worthy. I can't figure this out. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe this is a stupid idea. That kind of stuff is the death of new ideation, innovation, and startups trying to find traction in their feet. Am I right?
4: Right. So mm-hmm. it's a combination. Um, Competence has never really been a problem I've had. Um, so, <laughs> um, However, taking feedback has been a problem I've had. And I've learned throughout this process to take some feedback and fix it. And with some feedback, leave it there. And it doesn't apply to the issue. So it's listen to what people are saying about your pitch, um, but
3: also put some advice
2: to the side. So how can people learn more about Glassbreakers and support you guys?
3: Yeah, so, you know, sign up at glassbreakers.co. Um and I would actually love to answer that last question as well, like what would you want to advise to other women starting up? Please. Uh, I think it's really important to find the right co-founder. Um, and really find someone that complements you and is going to be like open with you so you guys can really talk through things and move quickly and, you know, be really motivated together. I think it's also really important. I've talked to a couple other uh, women founders who don't have that technical person. um, And sometimes they think, you know, I have this idea. I'm just going to have like another consultancy build it for me um, and design it for me. I think you know the little decisions that a CTO makes every single day about a product and seeing how users are using it. It's really important to have that product person and that technical person on the team when you're starting a company. So I would say, you know, if you're if a woman or anyone is really looking to found like a technology startup, find that technical person.
0: Yeah, very powerful. And you can
3: find that technical person on Glassbreakers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're obviously on social media. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook?
4: Yeah, we're on all the things. Another thing you can do if you want to get involved, listeners, um, talk to your HR team and let them know that Glassbreakers has an enterprise product that can be implemented, um, at companies. So if you're seeing, um, you know, maybe not 50% women on the leadership team, if you're in an organization that has over 50,000 employees and you don't know where to even look for a mentor. Um, tell your company about Glassbreakers. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Glassbreakers, on Twitter at Glassbreakers Co, on Instagram at Glassbreakers, and on LinkedIn at Glassbreakers.
2: Great. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming and and telling us your story. It was really awesome.
0: It's been an absolute
2: pleasure. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much. So great to have. Lauren and Eileen with us. I think that is a f- the first time that we've ever spoken to two women, let alone two women co-founders of a tech company, an enterprise tech company, focused on making things better for women. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that. Well, they made it better by
0: saying that 75% of their investment team
2: are all women. So
0: they're taking a lot of the cake today. And, and I love it. it. It's 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 inspiring. It's good to know about, and they were wonderful. I learned a great deal. I really want everyone to go check out Glassbreakers and become a part of that platform.
2: It has been an awesome show. We talked about mentoring. We talked about advising. We talked about sponsorship. We dropped some serious F-bombs, which I'm quite proud of. I feel like I came out of my Canadian shell a little bit today with that. Right on. But now it's time to close out episode nine. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking about mentorship.
0: It's important for people to maybe just get an introduction to the difference of mentorship and sponsorship and advice. Do all three people. Help each other. You know what I mean? Pay it forward. Sponsor someone. Um, find a mentor. Check out Glassbreakers. Or ask around your companies. Or ask around your peers and coworkers. The point is is not to feel like you're in isolation or remain in isolation. Learn.
2: Grow. Try some new shit. Yeah. And there are tons of women out there that want to help you. I mean, that's really it, right? As a, I just think at the end of the day, so many women do want to help other women see them be successful. Yeah. And there are a lot of platforms as we are learning, as I'm sure we will see many more yeah. that are out, that are out there to facilitate that. So check out Glassbreakers. I like it. Make sure you've checked out womenwhostartup.co. Make sure you've tweeted us at Women Who Start Up. Use the hashtag Women Disrupt. Tell us your mentorship stories. We want to hear from you. And if you love the podcast, don't forget to rate it. Because we want to see 10 more ratings in time for our 10th episode podcast. She means a 100 more ratings in <laughs> time for episode 10. Yes. And before we close out, um, huge thank you to my awesome co-host Lizelle. I give her a really hard time, but she is amazing. I'm so grateful to have her here. And we are super grateful to our wonderful producers, Leah and Aaron, uh, without whom we would not be here. They, uh, they've they actually done all the work up until now for episode, all the episodes. So, every episode. Um, every episode. It's basically been all them.
0: <laughs> In case you were wondering, we're signing off. And as always, keep climbing.
1: Thanks for listening to Women Who Start Up Radio with Lizelle Van Buren and Krista Morgan. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to tell everyone you know to subscribe on iTunes. Check out our website womenwhostartup.co and follow us on Twitter at womenwhostartup. And don't forget our hashtag #womendisrupt. This has been a Women Who Start Up production. Join us next time for another edition of Women Who Start Up Radio.